You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So we've been talking about the church, and I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm in it, but I'm looking at it. Beholding the army of God. We talked about this earlier. We prayed for a generation. We need to pray for all generations um, in that same way. Do you feel like an army? (laughs) Does anybody feel like an army? Come on. I think sometimes we get a little beat up, so we feel less like an army and more like we're beat up. We win. Can I tell you that? We, we win. This is a battle that Jesus has won for us. The thing that's a little bit curious is most battles, when you get in them, you have to win them yourself. You have to throw the punches, throw the kicks, whatever type of fight you're in, you're responsible to win it. This is a battle that's been won for us, but we're still invited to take part. What is your part No one else can play it. Rod and Fern Douglas years ago said that, Chris. No one can represent who you represent about God. Who God is, no one else can represent that piece. You're uniquely and wonderfully made. No one else can fight the fight that you were born for. Can you believe that? Bella, thank you this morning for standing in for your generation. Your generation is beautiful and powerful. I get to work with young people and old people, and I see an incredible group of young men. I I don't happen to work with a lot of women, but I see an incredible group of young men that are in this generation that are going to lead the way, that are leaders. They're going to be world changers. So, Instead of, like, I'm older because I have no hair and I'm gray. <laughs> Instead of us people, we people that are older, always seeing, viewing, and saying the negative about a generation, I want to challenge every one of us to speak what you want to see in a people or a person Speak it over their lives. God empowers you to build, not to destroy. You can do both, and we do. I I do. (laughs) We can do both, and we do. But speak over people's lives, young and old, what you want to see in them, not necessarily what you may see today. God's powerful, and he uses our words to build and to change. Well, church, the topic today is church, and it's a little challenging to come in to the sixth location and talk about something that's already been spoken about for five weeks, (laughs) but that's okay. It's going to be fun. Ah, I'm not supposed to do that. (laughs) She said, don't sigh. It sounds terrible like you're in pain. It may have been the Holy Spirit, but I think it was Patty. 
Oh, I'm sighing. I just like looking at you. (laughs) I stand here amazed at the people that God gathers. And and we're the church. He doesn't have another idea or plan or hope but you. He put all of his hope in you. He could have stayed. He didn't have to go be with the Father, but he said, it's better that I go. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you and you all, and we're not from the South, but we'll pretend we are for a minute. You all are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can imagine. And I messed that up, <laughs> but that's okay. Ah, sighing. <laughs> So I wrote this down, you, me, us, his family, called out, chosen, empowered to worship with our whole lives. What a privilege to be able to address you with the love of God, the plan of God, which I just said, there's not another plan. You're the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world, the church. Do you believe that? I'm going to say it again. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God deposited his spirit in you, if you're saved, born again, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and that his hope is in you? So he's, he's actually quite confident in what he's accomplished through his son, his hope. Who else is it in? It's us. Does that feel like a responsibility or a weight, a burden? It could be. He's responsible ultimately for the outcome, but he does want us to be involved, engaged. The first message, Greg shared it. It was called out ones. That's what the church is. We're called out. What are we called out of? We're called into something as well. We're called out of the world and into his family. We're called out of rebelliousness and doing it my own way into a family that now you have to negotiate and navigate. Justin shared the second time on church, and it was the reality of church life, the potential difficulty that you'll experience when you engage your life with people like me. Most of you are really sweet, so it's quite nice. But then there's a few of us that are a little rough, and uh, you could be challenged. There's beauty in that. You'll grow in a way that you could never have otherwise. Basically, Justin was saying that there's imperfect people in church. I know that's a shock. I know it's a little bit of a surprise for you. If you haven't been here for long, it may actually be a surprise to you. If you've been here for 30 years, you're well aware. Will we, called out ones, this is, this is message number three, Greg shared this. Will we, called out ones, respond by putting on the righteousness, the righteous garments that Christ has for us? 
So those people that he spoke of, they were called to this wedding, and many just refused to come. And then he went out and invited everyone. Those that were chosen were the ones that were willing to put on the wedding garments and actually show up. And I believe that's all of you. So it's not a matter of some are called and none are chosen, or only few are chosen. This part is a response, our responsibility. Week number four. I wish this would take long enough to just get all the way through this, and then it would yeah, be, be easier. Week number four, Tony Ramsdell, the master, living to honor the family name. So this particular family is God's family. Do we live in a way that brings honor to the church, but most importantly to Christ, who's the head of the church? The family name. We're Christians. We're the church. Then the second part of that was, will we be a tool in the Father's hand? Will, will we be used by him to accomplish his goal and his plan? Week number five, Justin. We, in fact, have a perfect father. There may be someone here that had a perfect father growing up. I'm a father, and I am far from perfect. I'm sure that could be true of some. We have a perfect father, but we have imperfect brothers and sisters. No. Will we allow our father's instructions in his word to guide our relationships within the church, within our family? That was week number five. Justin, if I didn't say that properly, you can give me your notes later and straighten me out. So I want to pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're so good. Your plan for us, your church, your people, your family, it's, it is actually perfect, Lord. You knew what you were doing when you had your son come home and you sent the Holy Spirit to fill us that we would bring your message, your love, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, even your discipline, a word that we don't like, to the world. Lord, we would represent who you are to this world. So Father, I ask that you would cause us to be the church. Father, not some judgmental, critical, criticizing, angry, money-hungry group of people as some have viewed the church, but we would be those that would lay our lives down here in the church and in our communities for those that you love. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint us and that you would empower us for this mission. Amen. Church, family, tribe, community. Kind of synonymous words for, for us here. Um, do we have Luke 7, 36 through 50? So this is Jesus' life, his time. He, 
he gets invited to a party of the religious folks. One of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet, letting down her hair. She dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was the prophet, I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 pieces of silver, the other 50. Neither of them could pay, so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then he turned to the woman. But speaking to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided me no water, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up. But she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is also minimal. Then he spoke to her, I forgive your sins. That set the dinner guest talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? He ignored them and said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Think about, think about the standard idea of church. It is, I, I continuously hear people say to me, if I walked in, the place would fall down. You kind of, there's a whole pile of that conversation. At the end of the day, oftentimes we as the church have presented a God that is a God of judgment and accusation. This is quite another. Um, in the face of religion, Jesus just forgave. He welcomed her. He didn't send her out. He wasn't embarrassed of her. The, the idea that I'm going for here, the first point, is invitation or you're invited. So this is to those that have not been in the family of God yet, have not been invited to the family. That invitation is for every human being, regardless of your behavior. And it's not based on your behavior. It's based on Christ's ability and decision to lay his life down for each of us. Not dependent on your actions, but his. <laughs> we, none of us, can stand before an incredible righteous father without the blood of Christ, the cost, the price that he paid Invitation, everybody online, everybody across the world, everybody in our town, you are invited and God wants to touch your life. He wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you. That was point number one. The invitation does not stop there. 
And the weight of responsibility for the invitation now falls on us. Can you accept that mission? I would like to see your hands if you'd be willing to accept that mission. I, I want to be willing to accept that mission, that I would be one that was invited, and then I would be willing to invite others. It's a little scary. So, I'm, most of you have probably heard this story, so I'm going to bore you to death, but I'm going to tell it again anyway, because the Bible says that the, the, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we just talked about his blood. I want to talk about my testimony a little bit. Tony Ramsdell is not here in his family. His mom came to my house when I was 13. <clears throat> I'm sitting on my couch. My family's a mess. My mom and dad are divorced. My brother just died. And I have a massive glass of vodka and Kool-Aid <laughs> sitting beside me. I'm not 18. I'm 13. Right? I'm watching cartoons at 13, and I'm drinking a massive glass of vodka. And it's mostly vodka. There's not a lot of Kool-Aid in there. <laughs> what does that matter? <laughs> Invitation. Irma Ramsdale pulls up to my door. They walk in. Hey, Chris, we're having a VBS for older kids. The young kids are done. A bunch of kids from down south came up. We're having a VBS. Would you like to come? Man, would I ever. I'm sitting here drinking a big old glass of vodka. I hid the vodka, right? I'm ashamed. I don't want anybody to know I'm 13 and I'm getting drunk. So I get invited. We go to their church. It's, uh, it's Victory Baptist Church in Winthrop. That young pastor says to me, do you know that God wants to forgive your sin? Wow. <laughs> I'm only 13, right? So I'm like, well, what's the sin deal? But I was well aware of my condition, <laughs> whatever that was. In that moment, God rescued my life, that he would forgive my sin and he would invite me into a family, the church. Don't forget they're inseparable. Church, family. That has more weight in the rest of this story. So I get, I get saved, and I just, I'm riding my bike to church because I don't have a car. I'm too young. And it was just incredible that I was allowed, this is how I saw it, I was allowed to actually touch communion and give communion to other people. And it's, for me, it was so holy, right? Like, I can't believe they're allowing me to do that because I feel like a really unclean person. I, I had been saved, but I didn't feel really justified or righteous. I felt like a sinner still. Although I had been forgiven, so that massive weight was lifted. Time goes on. I can't believe that I've been invited into this church family. I get invited into another family, and I think I shared this a couple weeks ago or whenever. Um, the writers invited me into their family. So now what you have is an opportunity to see what family looks like. Do you know that this body, if we live like Jesus wants us to, we will actually represent family to fatherless and even motherless generations? Will we be willing to pay that price that that cost? Patty and I have had several different people living with us over the years in our home, and 
it was beautiful, and we're thankful for that opportunity, mostly because we were shown that, that that was a way to live, both by Pete and Betty and even Don and Mary and a multitude of people within this congregation. So I would like to say thank you to all of you for demonstrating who Christ is to this community, to this world. Yeah. Levi, do you have Matthew 9, 35 through 38? So the thing that I'm not really sharing very much is how much joy all of this is, right? I sound like I'm ready to shoot myself, <laughs> all depressed up here. But I'm telling you, the divorce rate in this country is crazy, is it not? And then there's even a worse situation where people don't even get married because it doesn't have value to them. So there's a familyless, especially fatherless nation, world, actually. We were, I was invited into a family where I could watch mom and dad interact and live. And then I got invited into this family, and I could see it at an even greater level. Don and Mary Curry invited us into their home as a young adults group. We would lay on their floor, Peter, Dory, Justin, Julie, you were, in, you were not here at that time. We would lay, Patty, who else was there? Who else was in Don's uh, young adults group 100 million years ago? I guess we're all, we're all over the country, actually. Adam Avery is a church planner in, in Burlington, Vermont. Michael Drew and Heather have a church, three churches, actually, in the D.C. area. There is Adam Kahn is on the West Coast. Just like Matt. Matt was there. Yeah. Scott McCarger. You came to New York City, Scott. That trip changed the trajectory of my life. <laughs> trajectory of my life. Think about that. Where's your life headed and where does God want it to go? And I'm jumping all over the place like a crazy man because I am. The trajectory of your life can be forever transformed if you will receive the invitation and you'll begin to invite others. Yeah. Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and I'm going to fall down. healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers. Please pray for harvest hands. Hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? Do you think our world looks different than that world? Do we have huge crowds, is there some confusion and some sense of aimlessness often? I believe there is. God wants us to be praying for those that will come and touch those people's lives. Those people, like we're those people, I'm those people. <laughs> if you continued, I, I would like to challenge you Continue to read this on your own. Is it Matthew 10? Read Matthew 10. Words of Jesus. 
I, I read it over this morning, and I'm like, man, I can't even read that. That is intense. So he first asks that we would find some hands that would help. And then he goes into a whole list of what that might look like if you become a willing person. I'm not going to share that because it's not helpful in this moment. <laughs> but read it for yourself. It'll be interesting. Matthew 10. Colbert, you look great. Glad you're here. I'm glad you represent a generation. All of you Colberts, actually. Thank you for demonstrating the gospel to me. Thumbs up. <laughs> Take a moment this afternoon and think about your story. Think about where you were when you met Christ. Think about what your life looked like. What, what would the flight of that arrow looked like for you? What would your life have been like without Christ? I can tell you that it's been an incredible ride. It's been absolutely wonderful. I, I, I now can stand back and watch my children all grown and think, how in the world, God, did you do this? <laughs> how, how is this, right? I'm not bragging because it wasn't me. It was my wife. No. <laughs> it was God. It transformed our lives because we were invited in. Getting back to my point. Invited. Inviters. And then... As you begin to invite others, God wants to call you in closer to himself. Justin talked about it earlier, and I'm going to talk about it now. Part of church is, is smaller church or more intimate church. It's called home. Years ago, it was home group, and then it was cell group, but we were afraid we would be considered terrorists, so we stopped calling it that. <laughs> Oh, there's a cell in Messina. They're really dangerous. True story. So now we're house church or we're small group. Let's just be small group. That's good. Small group of people gathered together. What happens in that small group setting is your lives actually are joined together in a, in a more intense, more committed way that the church itself can be represented even more accurately in a small setting. Your lives are helped by others. We, we, had, we had a couple of kids that were really sick and ended up in hospitals for extended periods of time, like really good hospitals, <laughs> Boston and Burlington. Our relationships in our small group were so wonderful that people would come and clean our house if we were gone. They, they cooked meals for us. They brought food. I came home one night. We were, I was, came back from Boston. Molly was in Boston Hospital. We didn't know if she was going to live or die, actually. Thankfully, we know the answer to that. She lived. But you're just frustrated. You're kind of angry. Your life is a mess. 
you don't know if your child's going to make it, and you're questioning God a little bit, like, God, what is going on here? We've given our whole lives for the kingdom, for the church, for you, and I thought this would play out differently. And I hope you're really holy people and that never happens to you, but it happened to me. <laughs> Even got angry with God a little bit, which I'm not necessarily proud of, but I, I did. I was upset. The reality is he doesn't owe me anything, right? Like, I don't deserve special treatment over other people because I'm a Christian or I go to church. Just throw that out there. We're all God's kids, saved and unsaved. Back to the story. Come back from Boston, there is beautiful food on my counter, and there is $100 bills just to show love. I, I've, <laughs> I don't like to get a card unless there's money in it, and I know that's, I know that's terrible. <laughs> Please, don't, don't give me a card unless there's money in it. No. So if this is my love language, I think, like, right, I get, I get these cards and, and there's no money in them and I'm just like, oh, this is beautiful. You didn't really mean it though. <laughs> so I get home and there's beautiful food on my counter and there's $100 bills with it. So for me, I just stand in there bawling, like, God, you so love us, thank you. Well... It was God, without question, but it was the church. It was our small group people. It was people that we're in relationship with. Please don't do this thing called life on your own. It's unnecessary. People want to live your life with you, and you would do well if you lived your life with others. It's risky, so we stay away, right? It's like... I'm going to sit somewhere where I can get out of here easily and not have to really deal with people. And I'm not, that's not an accusation. It's a reality. I'm not going to do small group because somebody might see something in me. Or you could even see it this way. I might see a weakness in them. And oh, then what would I do? God wants us to be intimately close with him and each other in a small group setting and this corporate gathering. The purpose of small group, what we would do just because we thought it was a good idea, we would chew on God's word. So after Justin, Greg, somebody speaks, our small group would go over what they preached about and we would, we would chew on that. We would ask questions. We would talk about it. So that word that someone spoke now gains more traction in your life because we're going to hit it again. And it has the potential to now begin to actually impact our day-to-day -day lives. Instead of just forgetting it, which you guys will all do, you know, within 20 minutes of me talking up here, you'll all go home and, what the heck was he talking about? <laughs> you may. That's okay. But if you were in a small group and you, your small group chewed on that Sunday's message, you'd get a chance to listen to this craziness all over again. Wouldn't that be helpful? So you chew on God's word together, you pray together, you practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Like there was prophetic moments. We would be in Pete and Betty's small group. We were in Mike, right? Mike and Terry's small group. And you would get opportunities to practice this thing called church. Practice prayer, 
practice prophetic where you would have words over somebody's life, it's a great environment for us to really grow the gifts of the Spirit that God's given us. And a great opportunity to have a ball, like eat great food, tell stupid stories with your best friends, and just live life together. I don't know what time it is, but I do now. Well, just keep going. Bang, you're such a liar. <laughs> no, I, I, I take that back. You're beautiful. Just keep going. I can keep going. I've got a couple minutes. I know. I know. <laughs> Appreciate it. Oh. Yeah, have a good day. Have a good day. <laughs> what will your life look like? God's God, so he gets to have the final say, I think, somewhat. But he gave us choice, and then we get to choose. What will we do? What will we say? Where will we go? And how will we live? How will we love? <laughs> How will we love? We're in Augensburg the other day. I go in Tractor Supply because that's my favorite place to go. And there's a young guy in there with these big glasses on. And my first reaction as a stupid human being was, what in the world are you wearing those for? That's a terrible thing to think. Shouldn't be so honest. I didn't say anything. I walked over to that young guy and said, you look so cool, because my thought is he, he's cool. And he is cool. I didn't think that initially, but he does. What good would it do for me to have an opinion about him? <laughs> Nothing. No value. I walked over to him and said, you look so cool. I love your glasses. That was a lie. But I decided to say something positive instead of the other. Hate me if you want. <laughs> we entered an incredible conversation because I did not criticize him or just walk away. I was willing to actually hear, I think it was the Holy Spirit, just go tell him you think his glasses are cool. Well, when we got all done, they were cool. This kid was really cool. What am I saying all that for? Would you take a risk and be willing to say something encouraging or positive to somebody that you bump into? I could have just been my critical self and said, well, and just walked back and got my stuff. Before I leave, there's only two guys working. Both of those guys are right beside me, and they just want to talk. The other guy's got plugs. You guys know what plugs are. Some of you may, some of you may not. My son-in-law, Travis, has plugs. I have not always understood plugs. I just thought, what a painful process. These guys, this guy's plugs were really cool wood. And I was able to say honestly, wow, your plugs are really neat. He began to tell me what kind of wood they were made out of, where it came from. So again, 
instead of a critical old guy judgmental perspective, <laughs> is this not real? Do we not walk around criticizing everybody everywhere we go? I know most of you don't, but most of us others do. <laughs> I said to this young guy, wow, your plugs are really neat. And he started to tell me. So I got both of the store clerks now visiting with me for like 15 minutes. There's no one in the store. <laughs> All because I was willing to say something positive instead of my normal negative. I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just went on with my day. But I was willing to actually embrace them even though, I guess I don't understand plugs, but they look good in his ears. They were, they were nice wood. <laughs> There's a point to this. The point to this is, especially as we age, we, I'm talking to myself only, I know. We find points as Christians to criticize the whole world. If only they did this. They should do this. They should dress like that. They shouldn't do this. They shouldn't have anxiety. Why is depression such a problem with this generation? And we just get rolling. They won't work. They won't do it. What good is the words that we're speaking? They have no value except to destroy. Can we change that? I'm just asking. You don't have to. And this isn't even a judgment of you. If you are critical, I'm not judging you. Do what you want. But, but, could it be that if we allowed good, wonderful words to come out of our mouth, it would empower a generation to live in a way that changes the world? And it could be because you decided. <laughs> I'm not judging critical people because I am one. And I want God to help me change that. Yeah. <sighs> will, we, will we close because it's time to go home? <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah. We're the church. It's not a mistake. We got invited no matter what our condition was. Please consider that as you move forward. Invite others, no matter what their condition is. Just be willing. Just do it. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? They say, hey, get away from me. Eh, okay. <laughs> Have a good day. I like your plugs. You know, I don't know. <laughs> One conversation with God's love could transform a whole community. One, Irma Ramsdale stopped at my house. Now somebody else would have done that, right? God wasn't going to leave me alone. So I'm not giving all the glory to Irma. I'm giving it to God. But I'm talking to people. And so we people need to ask questions to other people to see if they'll come and know an incredible God. That's really it. And you don't necessarily have to invite them to church. You can invite them to your house. Seems a little dangerous, but it's not a bad idea. Just make sure they're not packing, unless you are too. We, we are living in a time when these words, that the harvest is plentiful, there wasn't as many humans then 
there are like way more of us now than when that was written. Think about, do the math on that. We're, we're a lot. This opportunity is massive, massive. And it awaits those that have known the unconditional love of an incredible father and hopefully a church family, both. Yeah, beating that one to death. Huh. Opportunity. We have been declared a church planting church since our beginnings, I believe. Prophetic words over us for years. And we have done that um, to some degree. Is it possible that we're going to begin to do that at an even more rapid rate? Say yes. <laughs> Is it possible that you all will be a part of that? Will you? Some will go. They're the crazy ones. Some will stay with deep pockets and they'll help pay for it. They're still crazy. Because <laughs> it's your money and you could keep it. Or you could give it and transform a city. Please give it. God will multiply it and it'll become incredibly beautiful. When you hold it, just weights your hand down in your pocket. <laughs> when you give it, there's no end to the possibility of what God can do with what you've given, whether it's your money or your life. Yep, money or life. You could invest it. That would be good. But it will see no greater return than if you give it with a smile. And you see people with, with that open hand whose lives are transformed. I could be 52 now and I could have a bigger glass of vodka. <laughs> or I could have been without children, no wife, lonely, drunk. Not the best spot. Invite. Give. Be willing to lay your life down for others. This isn't just a Sunday message. It's real. People's lives are waiting for us. You don't have to do anything. God still loves you and your place in eternity is secure. But you'll miss out. You'll miss out the opportunity to see transformation in other people's lives. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. And do you know that God wants to do miracles? He wants your hands, unholy some days, <laughs> do things that are wrong some days. Ask him to touch you and fill you with the Holy Spirit so that those hands can become hands that heal. He wants to empower you to put your hands on other people, begin to pray and see transformation in their own lives, to see their bodies healed, to see them learn how to get out of debt and no longer be slaves or prisoners to the bank. Teach them how to be fathers. Invite people into your world. This fatherless generation needs us, moms and dads. 
I'm not getting off the topic of the church. This is us, the church. Okay. I'm going to pray and we're going to go home. And you guys are amazing. The thing that I don't want you to do is feel any condemnation. An invitation can be received or not. And there's no judgment or criticism with your choice. Is that okay? Father, I thank you for this place and these people that had a hand in transforming my life. I thank you for the work that you did in me and them to bring us to this day. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us with your oil, that it would run and pour down over every person here, that you would anoint their lips to declare the gospel in a way that brings life, not judgment. That you would anoint their hands to bring healing, wholeness, and freedom to a generation, Father. To generations, actually, Lord. Anointing. Holy Spirit, you're anointing oil to flow down over every member of this congregation. Those that aren't even here yet, Father, I ask that you would call them, that they would be invited, and that you would use us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, before your 12 went out to begin to bring deliverance and healing and declare the good news, you empowered them. Your word says that you empowered them. So, Lord, we ask, I ask, that you would empower us, that we wouldn't be the Lone Ranger, we wouldn't be Captain America. Father, we would be a group of people that are dependent on you and even one another, Father, for the gospel to move forward, for your healing and grace to be broadcast over this whole region. Lord, empower us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. More anointing. We ask for more anointing. Father, that you would begin to unleash the healings that we've been asking for. Lord, there's two reasons for that. First and most importantly is so that people can live in freedom. They can be free from sickness and disease. But Lord, also that you would bring glory to your name. And that the towns that we go to, your name would precede you. Lord, it's not, we're not trying to twist your arm. Father, we want to see your authority and your power, your healing flow in this time and in this place. Why not us? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us the willingness, Holy Spirit, to risk that in Walmart we would actually ask someone, can I, can I pray for you? And Lord, you would show up. You would show up and you would bring healing. Father, I ask that you would bless every person here, every family, that you would just pour your goodness over each one. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.